all say our opening statement together? There is one presence, one power active as the universe and as my life, God the good. And join us as Joyce leads us in our welcoming song, I'm Gonna Sing. 
Halloween. <laughs> all right. For announcements, as you're all aware, Joanne's sending out notice and details in the email every week of recurring events, including grandfather's Sunday, second Sunday teaching, Chinook language discussions, and Dr. Daria's Circle in America's book and film discussion is on hiatus until January. Please help and participate in us. Um, we do practice prayer, meditation, and service. So volunteer right now to be a reader or talk to Susan after service and we'll get you down to do something. Um, and of course, join us today at noon for Prayer of the Heart, a meditation workshop led by Reverend John Winfield. Um, also, Salvation Army is looking for volunteers to help with um, dispensing food and their annual Christmas events. Anyone else have anything? All right. Well, okay, let's then jump to our unity statement and we'll say that together. Now it should be in your pamphlet there. We believe in our oneness with all life and the power of love. We teach universal principles and values as taught by Jesus and others revealing the one God presence. We practice prayer, meditation, and service to be conscious of our oneness in God. Once again, Joyce will lead us in our song of joy, I Feel Wonderful. 343. 343, thank you.
morning, our reading will be shared by Johnny. Sorry, I didn't bring you no Halloween stuff. They did that last year. So this is a, a parable, cautionary home tale that was written in 1230. So like, you know, 7,800 years ago. And the man who wrote it in Germany wrote it like this. The wise tell us that a nail keeps a shoe, a shoe a horse, a horse a man, a man a castle that can fight. And this is called The Lot of the Nail. Over the years, it's been rewritten many, many times. I'm going to read you Don Rundgren's version today. You may have heard this before. I've been wrong. I had plans so big that the devil's in the details. I left out one thing. No one to love me. No one to love me. No one to love. For the one of the nail, the world was lost. For the one of the nail, the shoe was lost. For the one of the shoe, the horse was lost. For the one of a horse, the rider was lost. For the one of a rider, the message was lost. For the one of the message, the battle was lost. For the one of the battle, the war was lost. For the one of a war, the kingdom was lost. Yeah, for the one of a nail, the world was lost. Now you're asking, what's all this talk about horses and war? Well, put yourself in a place of man at the forge, where day after day you live a life without love. To the morning you can't take anymore and you don't get up. Now multiply a billion times, spread all around the world, with the curse of loneliness on every boy and every girl. And so everybody's kicking, everybody's scratching, and everything seems to fail. And it was all for the love of the nail. Tell me what else could the answer be? Oh yeah, no hold back now. For the one of a nail, the world was lost. The world was lost. The world was lost. Well folks, this is a unique center for positive living. I cannot leave you there, that place of loneliness and despair. But don't worry. I brought the cure for all that loneliness and despair with me. Right here in this little box. This is my homage to Halloween. Here is right here. In this book. What else did you think it was going to be? I'm reading. In the Gospel of John, 13th chapter, in the 34th verse, you will find the cure for this loneliness and despair. When Jesus says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Now I'm done. Right on. Thank you. Thank you, Johnny. You know, I, I, I love the fact that we get. Um, and, and everybody puts in their, their different perspective, but it's all the same, you know, just different paths to the top of the mountain. And we're just really blessed by all of the people who bring their own and bring something that they love with them to us. All right. Um,
Our meditation song this morning is Walking is a Prayer. So please join Joe's choice. And um, we'll go from there. Let's Tom, it's traditional today. Traditional today. First, third, and fifth. <laughs> yeah. Second and fourth. Or... Well, okay. All right. Not arguing. All right. I want to do the other. Hey, let's do both. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from error. For thine is the kingdom, and power, and the glory of God. times 
of a light in the soul, a light that is uncreated and uncreatable, to the extent that we can deny ourselves and turn away from the created things, we shall find our unity and blessing in that little spark in the soul, which neither space nor time touches. That in the soul. This is a, a way of articulating or describing the perennial philosophy. Are you familiar with the perennial philosophy? It's something that goes way back, way back, centuries, even <coughs> millennia. And we'll get to that in a bit. But it's, it, the idea of the perennial philosophy is something that, that has been um, even embraced by philosophers who are agnostic or atheists. Uh, they don't believe in religion. But they believe in the truth. There's a difference, you know. And um, the interesting, beautiful thing is how that that plays out in our life. So here's the, the perennial philosophy that in, in simple terms. There is a light within the soul that is uncreated and uncreatable. It's unconditioned, it's unconditionable, it's universal. It's deathless. It is in everyone, everything. Second, the divine essence can be realized. It's not an abstraction about a metaphysical idea or a, 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 an intellectual proposition, but it's something that must not remain hidden under cover of personality or ego. It can and should be discovered and realized in our daily life. The third aspect is this discovery is life's real and highest goal. Our real purpose in life is not to, to make a lot of money. It's not to make a fortune. That's nice, but that's not the purpose. I mean, money gives us something that gives us choices, right? Gives us more opportunities to play and dance and sing, like we were and walking in the garden and so forth. But the idea is the purpose is discovering and living that light. And it's not about having power and fame and uh, being sexy and being all of those things that that uh, you know attract attention, attract our egos, attract our money. Just look at what the way things are advertised all the time, whether it's on television or in movies or in the screens, you know, the signs outside as you drive to and from church or wherever you go, as you go about in the world or on the internet. I mean, if you look at social media, it's just constantly bombarding us, but it is when we realize, and this is the fourth, the fourth aspect, when we realize this light within ourselves, we also realize that it is in others. That it is everyone, and we're not exclusive because we think or believe a certain way, but everyone has this light, every soul alive throughout the universe. 
And that includes not only all the people, even if we don't agree with them, even if we don't like them, even if we don't appreciate or approve of them, they still have it. Everyone has it. And all creatures, great and small, have it as well. Cats and dogs, flies, everything has it. Everyone has it. This light permeates every being in the universe. So that's a perennial cause. Simply put, Jimmy Buffett, who recently departed, you know, the musician and the uh, entrepreneur who put together his uh, cheeseburger in paradise, and not just the song, but the restaurants and, and uh, even communities down in Florida where people would go so they could sing and, and play his music every day. I can't believe it. I that myself, but they did that. They did that. So, I mean, I like a lot of his music, but one thing Jimmy Buffett said was, souls ain't made on earth, ain't made of water, ain't made of sky, so ride the flaming circle. Ride the flaming circle. Yeah. Enjoy life to the fullest. Ride the circle and be alive. The Bible says, we still and know that I am God. That's the way that is put in this book. I brought mine too, and it's the same translation that Johnny was reading from the, the um, ancient Lamza interpretation of the Bible, which I really found when I went to Unity School, and, and really found that I like it a lot because it's so understandable for me. But the Upanishads, are you familiar with Upanishads? Upanishads are ancient Hindu teachings that they're, you know, we've heard of and heard readings from the Bhagavad Gita, right? But the Upanishads are much more ancient than that. And they describe, it's probably the one of the primary writings of Bernier philosophy. And it says this, the Bible says, you still don't know, Yohanishad says, when the five senses are still, when the mind is still, when the intellect is still, that is called the highest state. They say yoga is the stillness in which one enters in the state, never to become separate again. So that is taking us deeper and deeper and deeper in consciousness and finding a way to be totally connected with the whole universe, with every living thing. And every living thing then feeds us and helps us to find our wholeness, our oneness, our connectedness to everything else. Dr. Robinson was a chiropractor who was living and practicing in a city in the Midwest, I think, may have been St. Louis, but I'm not certain that, so don't quote me on that. But one day he looked out the window from his office and he saw a man standing on a bridge, about ready to jump in, jump off the bridge. And so he went out and he talked to the man 
and he convinced him not to jump. And he took him back into his office <coughs> and he calmed him down and he gave him a lot of time, a lot of attention. And the man in return gave back to him, which is the Indian way. So this man was a black from the Blackfoot Nation. And he taught Dr. Robinson something that Dr. Robinson's wife came to our church when I was working in Yakima and told us about this that that um, the Blackfoot people would go up north, and this is east of uh, the Rockies. They would go up north into Canada every summer during the foraging season, and there they would gather berries like the huckleberries. Don't you love huckleberries? <laughs> Real live wild huckleberries, not the kind you buy in a store or a market. But real. Uh, not that the others are not real, but they're not juiced. You know. uh, anyway, they would go up there and they would they would gather herbs and and all kinds of good living food and bring them back. And what they found was that people who went, if they had ailments, if they had aches and pains, when they came back, they didn't have many. And what they figured out was that. It was because when they were up there, the northern lights, the aurora, we call the aurora borealis, if we can say it, uh, would, they would often be right above where they were picking, right above them. And it was like, I mean, probably farther above than the ceiling, but, you know, like the treetops maybe, you know, those big, fir and cedar that are outside, you know. And, uh, and so this solar energy, that's what it is, you know. It's the solar flare energy that comes down into our atmosphere. And it has healing power. So they develop a what they call um what they call a, a the ceremony of sharing the light with people who do that. And uh, and I found that just a beautiful story. But the important thing is not to have to go somewhere, not, not to have to go into Alberta or or Saskatchewan or wherever, but to go within ourselves and find that light within ourselves. And find that treatment within ourselves, that healing for interconnectedness. So it's not about being in the right place at the right time, it's about being in the right consciousness. Einstein said, there is a deep flaw, a phenomenon, which the optical delusion of consciousness, and that is that we are separate. That we are separate not only from other people, other people we don't agree with, or we don't abide with, or we don't live in the same uh, culture with, but that we are so connected with people everywhere. So that, that separation begins to drop away as we practice more and more of contemplative prayer and more and more of connectedness. Not just sitting in church and praying a prayer and then going on our way, but taking the prayer with us all the time. So that prayer then becomes, becomes a way of working us 
and working deeply in our consciousness. I want you all to take out your Bible and read with me. I know, it's a little bit of humor. I say that as a little, I love saying that in the Unity Churches because rarely do I see people pack their Bibles. And when I do, I think I saw one here a few years ago. I know that they were visiting the first time, probably the last time. Uh, but I've been in churches where there's a Bible in every pew, just right there next to the, you know, uh, and they, uh, next to the song books, and they have everyone read the Bible and so forth. Uh, and that's good if you read the truth and find the truth in it. So what I want to share with you is this is Jesus' articulation, his expression of the perennial philosophy, in a way. Okay? Just give a little poetic, a little poetic uh, license here that what this is in the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. So it's chapter 5. Open your books to page 954. That's another piece of you know, every Bible, every translation, every version is different, and they don't have the same pages and numbers and so forth. Anyway, chapter 5 of Matthew. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain, and as he sat down, his disciples drew near to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the humble, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I know that, you know, maybe you've heard people who stood in the pulpit and in church and so they say, blessed be. How many of us say blessed? I am so blessed. Do you ever say that? No, but you do say, I'm blessed, right? You're blessed. So that's why I use that word, trying to get it into today's vernacular. Blessed are they who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they shall be well satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall have mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons and daughters of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of justice, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men reproach you and persecute you and speak against you every kind of evil falsely for my sake. Then be glad and rejoice for your reward is increased in heaven for in the very manner they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Has that ever happened to you where you've been persecuted? Where you've been, you've been, um, Put down where you had hurtful things said about you because you didn't believe or didn't behave in a way that others thought you must in order to be a good Christian or a good person. <clears throat> I sure have. I sure have. And it's so comforting to know that that philosophy, that that light within us, within everyone, regardless of what people say to us or about us, we have that connectedness. You see that? This is what Jesus is talking about. You have that life with him. 
And see, there's a difference. I talked about this before. There's a difference between the way of Christ, which is, I believe, what Jesus was doing and what he was teaching and the way he was living and Christianity. Christianity, for the most part, is a religion about a certain aspect of Jesus. Now this, this cross, I really like this cross. Uh, the first of 24 years, 25, six years of, min of my ministry, and I've been doing this for 46 years, people have retired. So, I would wear a cross every Sunday because to me, the cross represents something very important. The horizontal beam represents our earth life, our, the earthliness, the earthiness of us, you know, our bodies, our egos, our toes, and feet, our, our nose and ears and everything, okay? And our love, our passions, and our, our our foibles, and our faults, and the vertical beam represents the divine, and it's that intersection right there that is that awakening, that beautiful aspect of living, livingness of the unity of all of life, which, after years of meditating and praying. I think I've begun to hit that. But the unity of all of life is a principle. Unity is not just the name of an organization. It's not just an idea, but it is a living principle that is unified, unifies, and unifying everyone and everything that work that wakes up and is willing, daring. And determined to live that way. That to me is the way of Christ and not Christianity. You see the difference? What I mean by that? Okay, I don't I don't want I don't want to tell you to do that or think that way, but I want you to understand what I'm talking about. That's all. The late Archbishop Desmond Tutu from South Africa wrote a letter to us, left us a letter when he departed. Dear child of God, before we become God's partners, we must know what God wants for us. I have a dream, God says. Please help me to realize it. It's a dream of a world whose ugliness and squalor and poverty, its war and hostility, its greed and harsh competitiveness, its alienation and its disharmony are changed into their glorious counterparts, when there will be more laughter, joy, and peace, where there will be justice, and goodness, and compassion, and love, and caring, and sharing. I have a dream that swords will be beaten into plowshares, and spears into pruning books, that my children will know that they are members of one family, the human family, God's family, my family. Amen. We all have that life, and everyone else does too. No matter what they're doing now, 
maybe watching a football game at home, maybe they're they're carrying their home on their back, trying to get warm again after a cold night's sleep outside, or maybe they're out sailing on a sailboat or on a rowboat, a kayak, or or something like that. Last First of August, I think it's the, you know, they have the, the uh, we have the canoe journey, which is tribes from the whole region. Uh, and this, this year, they, they terminated, they had the, the meeting point, the ending point at Alki Beach in West Seattle. Well, it just so happened that day, uh, our kids and grandkids were out here, and we went to Seattle to go to the aquarium. And after we had finished it, it's pretty small, but it's very cool. And the grandkids love it, you know. And so we, then we went over to West Seattle, because that's what I really wanted to do, is go see, there were about 90 canoes, and these were all handmade. Almost all of them were handmade, wooden dugout cedar canoes. And I had the opportunity to talk with, with some people who had come down from, uh, up by Campbell River on Vancouver Island, and they had they had paddled. Uh, they didn't paddle down the river. <laughs> they took their boat down for their canoes. I made that mistake when I was talking to them. I call them boatholes. <laughs> so I, they took their canoe down, I think, to Victoria, and then and then paddled across to like Angeles or swim, and then all the way down to West Seattle. Yeah. I mean, that's not bad because some people come up from, from the ocean, uh, from Playlock, or, uh, you know, and even one time, in a previous one, I talked to a woman who was from, from the, the uh, Unified Tribes in around Madras, um, Oregon, and they had come down to Columbia. Yeah, that. I have relatives from New Madrid, Missouri, you know. So Madras, Madras, sorry, Madras is in India. You're right. Thank you. I like that. A woman always corrects me. <laughs> Thanks. I'm, I'm actually referring to the woman I live with almost all the time. So this unity of all of life. We are all connected, you know. The, the brothers I talked to on the beach in West Seattle, we are so connected. And I was really sheepish to talk to them, but I realized that grandfather had blue eyes like I do. He has a complexion like I do, you know. And, uh, and so, you know, I, I got there and I talked to these guys on the beach and we had a real nice conversation. And I realized what they're doing is they're getting, because there were probably 18 people in that canoe around that number. And they're they're pulling in the rain and the sun and the wind and everything. And the kids, their nephews and nieces, and they are all in this together. And we think about the, the the strength, the strengthening power that has for young people today when fentanyl and so many other drugs are killing so many people. So many things going on. Getting in one canoe together and traveling 
and, and we're talking about head down into the wind, you know. I mean, I, I, we, my wife and I had just been coming down from the San Juan's in our sailboat a uh, couple of weeks ago. No, we went later, we went after that. But in a sailboat, you know, we have this diesel engine pushing us up, or sometimes the wind will be in agreement and, and, and carry us along. But usually when we travel, it's just motoring these guys, these people are going just really into, into the world. We are members of one family, the human family. We are members of one earth. We are that earth, you know. We are all connected in that. And so we live this principle of unity of all of life, the known and the unknown. There's a simple childlike story that comes out of India. Out of sacred teachings of India, actually. Um, ancient scriptures, you know, there are many, let me just digress on that. There are many stories of creation. You know, in the Bible, we have the story of creation, how God created the world in, in uh, six days. Science tells us how long? That's the same. 14 billion years, is it? Four and a half, or you know, 13 and a half billion years, the universe and, and, and the Earth has come into, into manifestation somewhere much later than that, you know. Uh, if you really believe in the Bible, then you think that it is 5,784. That's the Hebrew Bible says. That's this year. 5,780. But when you go, you know, some of these sacred teachings from Hindu and other other sacred teachings go back much longer than that. So here's one story that comes out of it. That in how multiplicity emerged from unity. The Lord, the one without a second, felt very lonesome. And one morning after all, she was the only thing that existed in the entire universe. So when he looked around him, she could see no one but herself. This did not satisfy him at all. She wanted to play. So she made playmates out of herself. She created myriads of creatures, the two-footed, the four-footed, probably the winged, and the, 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 you know, the paddling, and, and the fishes and everything, playing hide and seek, which is what life is all about. We are all playing the game of hide and seek. And you don't have to go seek because it'll come to you. Hide and seek is all the time. That playfulness from us, with us, around us, as us, and in us. So when kids show up, Today, over the next few days, you know, trick or treat, just know that there is, you know, when someone's at your door and with, with some kind of a mask, some kind of a veil on, know that in that person, when you see someone at this, at the, at, 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 today, when you go home, you'll see kids out with, with adults or older kids, trick or treat, right? I saw a bunch yesterday at the, at the, uh, uh, farmer's market, it's wonderful because in there, 
is that same light, is that same loving essence, that same being. But remember, as Sri Sri Ravi Shankar, who is a, a, a master that I met many years ago when I was in Hawaii, 20 years ago, um, and spent time with him and meditated with him. He said, in the history of the universe, there has been nobody like you. And to the infinity of time to come, there will be no one like you. You are original. You are rare. Celebrate your uniqueness. And so is everyone else. Everyone else is unique. Everyone else is a one of a kind. But behind that, behind that, deeper than that, is the oneness. Is the life. Is that the uniqueness of all of you? Jami was a 15th century. Sufi, mystic, and specialized in metaphysical mercy. I love that term, metaphysical mercy. In other words, to decide, to discern what mercy, what compassion truly is and how we can live it. But Jamie said, in every veil you see, the divine beauty is concealed, making Every heart a slave to him, to love to him. The heart finds its life and desire for him in the soul. The soul finds its happiness. And the heart which finds a fair one here, though it knows it not, really is its love. What do we do with that? God's So now, meditation, let's just dial into that if we can. I'll close the book on that. Take a deep breath. Allow yourself to open, open your mind. to that which truly is deeper than your thoughts, to that which truly is deeper than your imagination, much more vast. Breathe deep. And as you breathe deeply, allow yourself to open gently. Open up that light through your soul. Love that is that love. 
also donate online by clicking on the donation tab on our website page, unityofcentralia.net. We appreciate all of the ways that you give of your time, talent, and treasures. As we hold our offerings in our hands and in our hearts, Let's say our offering prayer together. Divine love through me blesses and multiplies all that I am, all that I receive, and all that I am. Members of our congregation who are currently going through healing 
John Clark, Joy, and I need in our healing prayer, beloved Mother, Father, God, we ask for the highest and greatest good for all, and endeavor to see them through your eyes, knowing all is in divine order. Let's all say our prayer of protection together. The light of God surrounds us. The love of God enfolds us. The power of God protects us. The presence of God watches over us. Wherever we are, God is. All is well. Let's form a circle. Join hands in the Zoom land and in our sanctuary as we sing our song of peace. Please feel free to turn on gallery view if you're in Zoom so you can join us all singing. I'd like to thank you to all who made the Sunday service possible. Those gorgeous slides that Trevor put together. Um, Joyce for her uplifting music. Johnny for his blessed readings. And of course, Reverend John Linkfield for his inspired teaching. As always, our stalwart production staff of Joanne, Johnny, Penny, and Susan creating service for folks in the urban park. Please stay with us after our service at noon for the meditation workshop led by Reverend John Leifield. Next Sunday we'll be taught and blessed by Dr. Daria Punches series Embrace Spiritual Destiny 2023. Wait, everyone knows. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put on that on the lens, but I can't make it work.
Salvation Army. Uh, 16 years ago, in 2007, I was uh, minister at Unity in Great Britain, over uh, in Great Britain. And we had we did four uh, retreats a year. So uh, one retreat, this couple from this, the village of Tewksbury, probably never heard of Tewksbury, I had never heard of it. Um, they wanted to, part to participate in our retreat and tell their story. And so we went to their place, their, their Salvation Army headquarters in Tewksbury, where they provided edu preschool education and other, you know, uh, things, stuff for people. And um, her story was, their story was, she had cancer. And when she had the diagnosis of cancer, medical establishment couldn't do anything for her. And and the people in, in her their church, because that's what salvation is, I really couldn't grasp that. So they called Silent Unity. Well, we, we had Silent Unity there at, uh, at our headquarters. And oftentimes I would sit in the prayer room and pray with people who called them. Jamaica or Scotland or wherever, all around in, in England. And, and um, her story was that she was healed. After praying with her, concerted effort of prayer, she was healed. So she wanted to come and share that story with us. It was very beautiful. They were wonderful people. Well, about three or four weeks later, uh, and I used to see uh, Salvation Army musicians down on High Street, out in front of the, the bank, Lloyd's Bank and so forth. High Street is like Main Street here in Detroit, right? So uh, I would see them singing songs and so forth. It was really cool. But about three or four weeks after they shared with me, there was a big rain. And Tewksbury is a village, right? Uh, and it has two rivers that, that join there, Severn River and I think the Avon River come in to come together there and it was flooding big time. And so they had floodwaters that were like up to the door sill and above the, up to the window sill in some places. And they were really, really busy helping people all the time, getting food and clothing and, and helping people through their turmoil. But it was and I call her, can I come and help? No, 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 you stay there. <laughs> Just hold prayers for us. You know, and it, and it, was, it was a wonderful experience with it. So to me, when you say Salvation Army, it has a really powerful meaning to me. Much, much better than in the, in the past where it was a place you'd go to get maybe an, an old coat or something. You know? uh, I did that myself. So, 